Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCarty, founder of plantplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Well, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening and welcome back to The Plotting Shed. Well, it's the last one in this current spring series. I will be back at the end of September with a new series from The Plotting Shed, partly because I always think quality is better than quantity. And secondly, it's coming into the summer. We all want to be outside enjoying our gardens and you don't want to be sitting there listening to my ramblings on over the course of the summer. So this is the last of the series for this one, but I will be back. So once again, thank you all for the subscriptions and the comments and everything else that you have sent me. It's so nice to hear from everybody. I do really appreciate it. And I hope you've enjoyed all of the little design tips and hints. Obviously, if you do have some burning issues that you would like me to have a look at, in the next series, do please drop me a line and let me know and I will do some research over the summer and see what I can come up with. Along with my viewpoint and take on all of the things that I've got from Chelsea and how you can use that in in much greater depth will come in the new series. And I'm hopefully also going to look at some designs and deconstruct the theory as to why I've created them in a certain way. And hopefully that might help some of you with some parts of your garden. So in terms of the last podcast, this series, I thought this week I would have a word about weeds. Because we've kind of done all the work in the spring and you've planted new plants and you've jigged things around and and now everything's growing and it's all blooming and it's looking lovely. And the summer is the time that we should spend enjoying and relaxing in the garden, not constantly being aware of all the chores and things that we have to do. And this year, I have made a very conscious decision, partly based on time and my own ability to actually find enough time to get out in in the garden, and secondly, to do with environmental issues and how I'm trying to change my garden. I decided this year that I was going to have a really serious think about weeds and why I was doing what I was doing. What I have decided is that I am going to reclassify plants in terms of the three Ps, that whether they're a pain, whether they're prolific, or whether they cause me a problem. And it's only if those or three things or one of those three things manifests itself, I will look at removing the weed. Now, 
let's just define what a weed is first of all. And a weed is only a plant that you haven't planted. So it can be a freebie, it can be a self-seeder, it can be a wildflower, it can be a rather invasive thug. So I thought if I reclassify these plants under the three Ps, then that gives me a reason to tackle them. Otherwise, if they're not causing my garden harm, why am I creating work? One of the things that both the RHS and the trends in gardening are trying to move away from is this construct that we've had since the 1950s and 60s that good garden management is about neat and tidy and no weeds and bare soil that are weed free because it demonstrates your gardening prowess. It demonstrates how, how well and how attentive you are to your garden environment. But that's not the case now. Nature doesn't do bare soil. Nature doesn't leave brown earth between plants. And what we are doing when we do this is create an unbalanced ecosystem. So I've taken the view this year that I'm, my plants are going to get underplanted by nature by plants I haven't put in there. And it's only if they are a pain, they are prolific, or they are a problem, that I will get in there and deal with them. So clearly, plants that are a pain will involve things like brambles and thistles and stinging nettles, because they physically hurt, and I don't want to have those near where I'm sitting or where I'm walking, and they can quickly swamp and, and take over other plants, and they're not very nice in a small garden. In a larger garden, you can leave space for some of these things in the less managed and manicured areas of the garden. And indeed, stinging nettles are a fabulous source of food for butterflies, so they are a really valuable resource, but not in a small garden. So if the plant physically hurts, then get rid of it. And I think that's fair and I think that's reasonable. The next plants are those that are prolific, i.e. the ones that you, you have one and before you've had a cup of tea and a blink your eye, there are 55. Now, most of these tend to be annuals and they're self-seeders. And so they have developed a system whereby they're they grow very quickly, they flower very quickly, they set seed very quickly. And so these plants can multiply and multiply and multiply. There is the um, plants such as bittercress, you know, that has the little tiny explosive seeds. So you can get on top of these. And the simplest way is to just keep snipping the flowers off or not letting them seed. Things like Rose Bay Willow Herb, I mean, it's a ubiquitous plant. It gets itself everywhere. And it's in my garden. I try to ensure that once the flowers have finished, I just yank them up. I don't get all of them, obviously, because they still keep repeat flowering, so I do miss some plants. But they're not too much of a problem, but they are prolific. So once the flowers have finished, yank them up. Then they provide their nectar source for, for insects and butterflies and bees and everything else. But the point at which they become a problem, you then nip in the bud. So that's the second set. 
And the third set are those that actually cause a problem. Now, there are some really annoying weeds, things like cleavers, you know, we call them goose grass, or some people call them sticky willies, the ones that they just stick and grow over everything. And you get those burrs that get transported on your clothes, or they get stuck on the pet fur or in between your pet paws and things like this. Bindweed that will quickly swamp a plant and will will not allow the plant to flower. Plants that get into your paving cracks and lift the pavers. Then there are obviously some really serious, nasty, perennial thug-type plants that are really tricky to get rid of. Horsetails, those sort of feathery, asparagus-looking type plants, but they have really deep roots. You've got other real problems like Japanese knotweed, and if you have some of the other plants, giant hogweed, for example, any of these sorts of things, that would really be a problem. They're a skin irritant. Or if they, once they establish themselves, cooch grass, you know, the matting underneath and getting underneath the plants, it just becomes really difficult to weed. Those are the ones that you need to get on top of really early and not let them establish. And that's best done in the spring and in the autumn. But again, all the way through the year, if you see them, you can just literally pull and keep pulling and snapping the stems off. It does weaken the plant. It won't make it go away, but it does weaken it enough during the course of the summer that you can then get into the border in the autumn, lift your plants, clear the ground and put your plants back in again. But why am I doing this? And why am I saying to you a word about weeds and my my three Ps? Well, it's just that I think we get too caught up in perfectionism. We get too caught up in the idea that our gardens have to look perfectly manicured to be beautiful. And one of the very welcome trends this year from Chelsea and indeed other flower shows is this coexistence of manicured garden and natural underplanting and natural plants being having a place in your garden. It's not letting them take over, it's not showing that you can't garden, it's just creating a better ecosystem. Now the upshot of it is that I did a mass weeding in the spring, I did it two or three times to try and get rid of my pains and my problems. I do have some of the prolifics left in the garden border, but I will go round during the course of the summer and I will keep yanking off the bits once they've flowered and I can see seed pods coming. I will just pull them up. Now the upshot of that is my benefit. My benefit is I'm more relaxed. I don't feel as though I should be doing something. I don't feel as though I haven't done a chore and my garden is a mess. I'm changing my thought process. My plants are now underplanted by nature. And nature does a really nice job of underplanting some of my plants. And in fact, some of the flowers that come up have a little benefit. There are some little tiny wildflowers that appear. And I'm more relaxed about it. I would imagine that the ecosystem and the environmental balance in my garden borders 
is also slightly better. Now, I've also done this month, No Mo May, and what I did on my lawn, I've got a big sort of overly shaped lawn, is I just mowed a border around the edge of the lawn. So it looks like I'm, I've created this unknown area. Now, not only have I been really surprised at just the number of different grass seeds I have in the lawn or grass types of grasses that I have in the lawn, there's lots of different shaped seed heads and they all bob and sway gently in the breeze, which makes the lawn a bit more interesting. I've done it because my children are that much older and they don't run around and play football on the grass. But the other thing that I've noticed as a result of it is the number of birds that are now landing on the lawn, whereas they never used to. I'm clearly providing a food source by allowing my lawn to seed and be unmown. And it's nice to see. I've had, I had a whole load of starlings on there yesterday afternoon. It was, it was really sweet. So maybe in your lawns this year, you might have a go at something. And I'd be interesting if you could send me some pictures over the course of this summer. It would be cool. Who does, who does the best mower art? And all I'm suggesting is that maybe for part of your lawn this year, you decide you're not going to mow it at all and create a little bit of lawn art. So we have mown strips and then you have unmown shapes in the garden. You can make them any shape you want. Now, I accept that some people might find that that makes the mowing awkward, but it certainly might make the mowing a little more interesting. You could maybe leave unmown the shape of a daisy in the lawn, you know, lots of little row, you know, flower petals in the centre circle. You could go geometric. You could have a wide area of unmown grass and just have a few random paths mown through the middle. Let's just see. It would be interesting. But I think you would see that there's a real difference in the biodiversity that you can attract. And grass seed heads can be very, very attractive. So just try it. Let's do it. Let's, let's see if we can do it. And then send some pictures. Send them to me at rachelatplantplots.com or you can upload them to the Facebook page and I will pop them on. It'll be, I'd love to see what you've created. I know a few years ago I did write. Um, we had some snow and I did, I did jump out there with my welly boots and write hello all across my snow-filled lawn, which, I, which did make me smile. So why not? Let's, let's just become less wedded to the idea that gardens have to be manicured and perfectly weed-free with clear brown soil and, and perfectly mown lawns. I think we can allow ourselves to relax a little bit. Goodness me, life is stressful enough as it is. Let's not add to it by trying to do something that doesn't actually benefit us and it doesn't actually benefit nature. Now, completely changing I talked about I went to when I went to Chelsea a couple of weeks ago and I as I said I'm busy looking at the things of Chelsea and what what are the really interesting design elements and planting combinations all those things you can take out and I'm going to meld those in with Hampton Court and Tatton Park as well and I'm going to be writing that over the summer and then producing the podcasts at the end of September. But before I went, I thought I would just give you probably what I I thought were the main themes of 
the Chelsea Flower Show from my perspective and how I think it can benefit the gardens that we have much more. The first thing I think, and it's been said a lot on the television when I was there, it was really, really apparent. Every garden at Chelsea was really, really attractive to insects and bees. There were bees of all description all over the place. They were busy in the flowers and buzzing away happily. Now, you didn't see them inside the main tent. Now, maybe that's because obviously it's a tent, I know, but there's still an awful lot of scented flowers in there. But outside, outside, there were so many plants that attracted insects and people were watching the insects. You could see people looking at the show gardens and then peering down to the flowers and taking photographs of the bees and the insects and things that were buzzing around. That's what makes gardens interesting. It's watching how you can bring wildlife in. They had lots of shallow water. Lots of gardens had little bits of shallow water that would allow insects to drink. So just a small bird bath, but filled with stones and topped up with water would allow lots of flying insects to get water easily. And again, you're making the gardens interesting. As I've just said, Chelsea very much allowed nature to underplant the plants that they used. Now, I know Chelsea gardens are a little odd in the sense, they're not odd, they're not real in the sense that the density of planting that they have is intense because they're not allowed to show pots and they're not allowed to have bare soil. It affects the judges' scores and that's why that's what the show gardens are there to do. But there was so much acceptance now that wildflowers and natural grasses and meadow grasses and buttercups and all of these sorts of things only add to the garden. You have to manage them in the same way that you would manage your own plants. And as I said, the three Ps, pain, prolific or problem. But don't get rid of them. Having this extra depth of green made all of the gardens feel that much more lush and vibrant because you didn't see brown earth. It made it feel fuller, more intense. The greens were more green. So allow nature to underplant. It won't do you any harm. In fact, it'll do your gardens a lot of good. Then I also think that there was a very different change in the last couple of seasons, but for, for small gardens, it's a useful design point that most of the designers use multi-stemmed shrubs or trees. Now, they do use trees in the gardens and they have single trunks, but in terms of a small garden where you've only got one or two opportunities to plant a tree, having a multi-stem where they then clear the branches from the stems and just have the foliage, say, at shoulder height and above, gave you much more interest. Instead of looking at one trunk, you're looking at a whole range of number of, of branches coming up to the sky. You got shadow and light plate. They were better plants and, and features to put in than, say, a standard, a single trunk or a, a small tree. 
and I just thought you get more bang for your buck with multi-stem shrubs. Now you can do this with plants that you have in your garden already come the autumn that you can look at it. This is a really nice shrub but it is too big but if I strip the bottom and the branches off the bottom and I take the leaves out and I, I, I leave the foliage higher I can create more interest lower down. So maybe you can introduce some of these into your garden and just have a little bit more interest. I also think as well with some of the little tiny fairy lights that we can now get, these solar fairy lights, they're a really nice feature then to have at night time. But I think one of the overriding or the most overriding impression that I got from Chelsea this year, which has been a shift from the past, is that the gardens there demonstrate much more the pleasure of gardens rather than showcasing the impressiveness of a garden. It was much more about how you and your garden can merge together and the garden delivers what you need in terms of the feeling rather than showing all of this amazing stuff that you have in the garden. It was really about you having a little pocket of the natural world that you can access, that you can sit in and that you can enjoy. You can enjoy watching the wildlife, you can enjoy the greenery, you can enjoy the changes of light and the shade and the shadow play, you can enjoy the scents, you can enjoy the flowers. And it was much more relaxed. It was much less about, look at me, look at this is fantastic, aren't you impressed? It was, it was a more impressive garden if the person came out of the garden and said, I feel great, I feel better. That was lovely. I enjoyed that space. And ultimately, that's what gardens are. And that's ultimately what gardens are. That's why we garden why we have an outside space, that we can feel part of nature. We're not indoors, we're outside, but it's a safe space and it's a place that makes us feel better. So over the course of this summer, enjoy being in your garden, enjoy the outside, enjoy the sunshine. Have a lovely, wonderful summer, and I will speak to you all again at the end of September and do please don't forget send me your MOA art photos I'd love to see what people can create it would be great fun have a lovely summer and I'll speak to you soon bye for now well thank you for listening you have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed if you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.